the story of the Reformation. The agenda is set. The word of God is the standard that the reformers are going to use. The morning star of the Reformation, John Wycliffe, has done his part. Jean Hus, burned at stake. Martin Luther has put it straight at the Diet of Worms. The Bible has been translated into German. Many have silently been part of the story. What happens outside Germany? What happens next? This is All Things Reformed Podcast. My name is Z Chunga, again together with Pastor Confex. Hello, Confex. Hey, Z, before we proceed with today's episode, uh, I would like to make some corrections and clarifications. Uh, very, very important. Yeah, so in the first episode on the pre-reformation, and I also repeated this in the last episode on modern Luther, uh, the Diet of Worms, I said that John Haas was condemned to burning at stake at the Council of Constantine. Uh, that was incorrect. Uh, it was rather at the Council of Constance. The Council of Constance. So I wanted to make that correction. But also in the last episode, again on Luther, at the Diet of Worms, uh, I said that Luther appeared at the Diet of Worms, and I said that the Pope was there. Uh, this was not accurate. The Pope was not in attendance at the Diet of Worms, uh, but the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V was in attendance. So I wanted also to make that uh, correction. And also I say that uh, when Luther was kidnapped and was in hiding, he translated the New Testament from Latin to German. Uh, again, that was not correct. He translated it from Greek to German. Uh, another well-known Roman Catholic scorer, Erasmus, had just uh, produced uh, the New Testament in Greek. And Martin Luther used that to translate uh, the New Testament from Greek to German so that people in German could read the New Testament for themselves. Later on with other friends like Philip Melanchthon, Martin Luther would translate the rest of the Bible. This time it's going to be a team. But for the New Testament, he did it himself. And I say that he did it in a very short period of time, maybe a week or two, but actually he did it in about 11 weeks, uh, 11 weeks, which makes it about three months. So I thought that these are necessary corrections to make. So I wanted to put this up front uh, before we proceed with the next episode. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor Confex, this is episode four. Oh yeah, I can't believe it's already four. Uh, we thank God. I hope uh, it's uh, being of some benefit to you. Dear listener, please uh, give us feedback. We appreciate that. We're taking a storytelling approach and we're looking at a series on the Reformation. And uh, we started with the pre-Reformation. And this uh, in the fourth episode now, we're looking at the network of the Reformers. Luther was not alone yes very very true and again you see this again and again throughout the history of the church that god loves to work through people not in isolation 
And Israel is a network, a group of people working together. They might be in different places, but the Lord works through them all. So Luther even himself in Germany, he's not just alone. There are people behind him that maybe we don't know, we don't read about. They, but still he had a team behind him, encouraging him, supporting him, and praying for him as well. But also God had other people in other parts of Europe. So in, uh, in Switzerland, uh, in Zurich, a city there called Zurich, uh, the Lord raised uh, saw another man there by the name of Ulrich Zwingri. And Ulrich Zwingri in 1519, that is two years, almost two years after Martin Luther nailed his 95 thesis and before he was excommunicated from the Roman Catholic Church, uh, Zwingri also comes to the conviction that the church is wrong, uh, some key things, the teaching on salvation, the gospel and all that is wrong. So he begins to preach biblical truth. Right. And the amazing thing is that, because at this time, in one of these episodes in the past, we had discussed how were things in, in that time when we say that the gospel was not being preached. So we are saying that sermons would come from Rome already prepared and the priest would just read them. He doesn't even understand. His heart is not there. His interest is not there. He's just reading disinterestedly through the sermon. And other times they would just have a drama group come in front, perform instead of preaching. So things are very bad. Now, Zwingri realizes there's a need to preach the gospel. And on 1st January 1519, uh, Zwingri stood up and said, beginning from today, I'll preach through the Bible. One book after another, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And he began to preach. And people were amazed because they had never seen a person preaching from the Bible. They had never heard a person preaching from the Bible. So they were very excited. And when they went back home, they said, can you believe it? Zwingli was preaching from the Bible. And people were amazed. The following Sunday, lots of people gathered to hear Zwingli preaching. And the Lord will use Zwingli as well to bring reformation uh, to Zurich. But also the Lord is raising other people. In France, he raises John Calvin. Uh, so a man that he is going to use uh, in a very significant way because I mean like would say that like the theologian uh, of the reformation at this time will be John Calvin because he's going to write a lot create explaining doctrines create explaining the biblical church government and so many things he's going to train so many pastors he's going to preach a lot of sermons as well so the Lord raises him in France because he's originally from France but he speaks there so strongly against some things in the Roman Catholic Church and he knows that his life is at stake. So he flees from France and eventually he settles in Geneva, Switzerland, uh, where there is a church there and John Calvin begins to labor there. Uh, he's preaching, he's teaching, and the Lord is going to use his ministry in a great way and there will be reformation as well in Geneva, uh, Switzerland. But also the Lord is raising other men, and one of them is John Knox. Uh, John Knox is raised from Scotland. There's so many Johns. Oh, yeah, the Johns of Reformation, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the, the name John, so much connected to the, uh, uh, to the Reformation. Mm. So John Knox from, uh, from Scotland eventually goes to Geneva. He studies with John Calvin. Uh, he becomes very Reformed. He goes back to Scotland, which at this time is dominantly Roman Catholic Church. So John Knox is influenced by the teachings of uh, John Calvin. Oh yes, yes, he was a student of John Calvin and uh, really John Calvin uh, mentored him well 
And I remember when uh, John Knox was leaving Geneva, uh, when he was asked his time studying under John Calvin, he said that uh, Geneva had been the best school of Christ since the apostles. That's how wow. he appreciated wow. uh, his studies with John Calvin. So he returns to Scotland and begins to reform the church in Scotland, which is predominantly Roman Catholic Church. And the Lord blesses his work. Uh, the, the church in Scotland becomes reformed. Mm. And through the church in Scotland, missionaries are going to be sent to Malawi. Wow. And that's how Malawi comes into the picture. Uh, the first missionary, so far as we know, as history is concerned, was David Livingstone. Uh, David Livingstone was raised in the Church of Scotland, which is a Presbyterian church, a Reformed church, uh, reformed by God's grace through John Knox. And later on, of course, he's going to leave the Church of Scotland to another church. But that's where he grew up, and he's one of the first missionaries to come to Malawi. Actually, the first one, as far as I know, to bring the gospel to Malawi. And he's going to call... And, 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 and David Livingstone was born... In, a, in Blanta, Scotland. Blanta, Scotland. And, and we're recording this podcast in the city of Blanta in Malawi. Blanta, Malawi, <laughs> named after David Livingstone, just right. to appreciate what he did, you know. And uh, by the way, to digress, uh, a few months ago I was in Scotland. I, and wanted, to, I wanted to ask yeah, you. Yeah, and I said, no, I'll make it a point to visit Blanta. So I visited Blanta and actually where David Livingstone was born. Wow. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was wonderful. A visit to be there and to see the history and to appreciate that. So again, you see the connection. So this is the ministry of John Knox. John Knox, right? Yes. right that uh, at right. least for us, we have a connection in Malawi. The Reformed faith has many that connection from John Knox. Uh, the missionaries will come, then they will start the Presbyterian churches, and there will be other missionaries coming later, the Baptists and all those. But that's the connection to the reform, to the reformation that be- yeah. begins in Europe. And actually, you're going to see that as the reformation is gaining ground in Europe. One of the things that is coming up is a realization that the church has been called to be a missions church, that they should be sending out missionaries. Mm. And you're going to see that mainly there are these reformed churches that are sending missionaries to the all kinds of uh, places in the world. When you look at the, the reformers, yeah. are they all teaching the same thing? Do they have differences at this particular time of history? Do they have one unified message? What is going on in terms of the content of their teachings? Yeah, no, that's, that's, a, that's a very good question. Uh, for sure, uh, there will be some uh, variations. Some of the reformers will want completely to depart from anything to do with the Roman Catholic Church. But most of the reformers will understand to say, well, it's not everything that is wrong. So Martin Luther, his best friend was Philip Melanchthon. Right. Uh, he was mentoring him as well. And Philip Melanchthon also happened to be a good friends with John Calvin. Oh, wow. So John Calvin writes... Mutual friends. Yeah, mutual <laughs> friends. Yeah, yeah. So he writes a letter and says, can you please give this letter to Martin Luther? We don't know what was in the letter, but uh, uh, history sometimes says that... Uh, Melanchthon knew that Martin Luther might not be happy with maybe with some of the contents of the letter, so he never delivered it to Martin Luther. He knew Martin Luther better than anyone else. It seems all the reformers agreed on predestination. Pastor Confex, can you talk on what predestination is? Uh, You may also want to proceed to discuss other differences among the reformers, especially Luther and Calvin. Oh, yes, yes. So predestination, of course, is going to to become a key doctrine of the reformed faith. Basically, what it means is that um, before the foundation of the earth we are laid, as we read in Ephesians chapter number one, before the world created the heavens, 
and the earth. He already chose people to salvation. And this becomes a bit harder because it also means... It means there are some who are not predestined to salvation, but rather have to face God's wrath. Which is hard doctrine, but it is biblical. You see it in the Bible. And John Calvin really wrote a word about this, uh, and is well known uh, for that as well. And, and of course, Martin Luther as well would teach predestination, but it might be a different version maybe on the reform. Because later on, when we talk about theology, we talk about the reform theology uh, and the Lutheran theology, which again differs at some points uh, of theology. But yeah, that's, that's, that's that as well. And of course, the church government, as I've already said, uh, the church there will be a bit more Roman Catholic. And uh, the, the Geneva Church, John Calvin, will be more Presbyterian. But also they would differ on the Lord's Supper. A uh, key difference as well on that one. Mm. Uh, John Calvin will teach that uh, the Lord is present in the Lord's Supper spiritually. Now, coming from the Roman background, the Roman Catholic Church teaches that uh, the Eucharist and the wine that is used in the Eucharist actually turns into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Becomes the actual blood and actual body. Mm. Luther, a bit, so this is called transubstantiation. Uh, Luther departed a bit from that. He called it consubstantiation. Mm -hmm. And basically what he said for that, it's difficult to understand, but what it basically means is somehow the body and the blood of Christ is with and within the elements. Which is not very much different from the yeah, Roman Catholic Church, yeah, but yeah. for sure I would say that it's different from the Roman Catholic Church. While John Calvin would say, no, when you're eating that bread, is the bread. It's bread. The wine is the it's wine. wine. But Christ is present there spiritually. So we, 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 we take a direction here where we have seen all these reformers, but now we're going to look more in the direction of John Calvin. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. So... Uh, reformed, as I've already said later on, we're going to differentiate between Reformed theology and Lutheran theology. Uh, the Lutheran will become Lutherans. Uh, they are brothers, they are sisters, there are some doctrines that uh, uh, we agree with them, uh, but also there are others that will, will differ with them. So the Reformed, the Reformed faith will be more connected, if we are to use that word, more connected to John Calvin than Martin Luther. And next week, a special one on the regulative principle versus the normative principle. That for next week. This also is where we leave it for today. Please email us your thoughts about the program and any questions you may have. You can email us on atreformed at gmail.com. atreformed, one word, at gmail.com. You can also inbox us on all things Reformed Podcast page on Facebook.